the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Michelle V.C. Bachman, Markets Editor of Lloyd's List, filling in for Richard Mead. This week's podcast comes to you via New York. I've spoken with three key maritime and shipping leaders in their field that each provide a unique financial and investment perspective on our industry. Sven Eng is a Senior Managing Director and Portfolio Manager of Entrust Global. The lending business has raised nearly $3 billion in shipping since founding in 2016, the vast majority of that during the pandemic. Next, John Cartsonis is founder and managing partner of Breakwater Advisors. He started the exchange-traded fund Be Dry, based on dry bulk freight futures, opening up shipping to retail and institutional investors. The ETF trades between five and $10 million in volumes that rival many of the mostly illiquid smaller cap shipping stocks on the New York Stock Exchange. And finally, I talk with Michael Weber, managing partner of Weber Advisory, a longtime researcher of public shipping markets, well known for his work looking at ESG or environmental, social and governance in this space. I'm starting off talking to Sven Eng. He explains how he's working with mainly European ship owners to raise capital at a time when many banks have reduced their shipping portfolios after the market crash of 2008. We, um, we started this business uh, six and a half years ago now, um, named the Blue Ocean. Um, and the whole thesis around this was to, to raise capital and deploy capital through lending to owners, operators or ships around the world um, in a scenario where banks sort of been pulling back. So the whole idea was that capital is needed, but there's a lot less available than there used to be if you go back certainly before the financial crisis. So, so the thesis was that we would be able to, to generate good returns for investors by providing uh, efficient and then a little bit more flexible structures than, than what the banks do. And, uh, and there's a good part of the market that don't really have any cover anymore from the banks. So we also felt that we could deploy capital to owners, good owners, good operators that just happen to be private, um, that the banks really have gone away from. So that was the thesis. and. And it's been it's been successful so far. So, if you're a good owner or operator, won't you have access to bank capital anyway? No, not necessarily. I mean, the banks, um, as you probably know, have really changed their banking model. It's more about generating cross-sell opportunities by mm-hmm. using the balance sheet for lending purposes. So, if you're just an owner operator, private, um, you're just not going to get a lot of attention because the banks they, they're not satisfied by just earning an interest spread. Um, when they're lending capital, they want to see other avenues in the future to, to earn cross-sell income, whether it's capital markets business or something else. So those companies are really being ignored by the banks uh, now. So, and that was not the case if you go back to before the financial crisis, because I, I was on the banking side myself and, you know, the banks then would lend across the board to small, large, private, public, it didn't really matter. That's no longer the case. And when you say flexible terms, how, how different, I mean, that, that higher cost? I mean, we're more, we're more expensive for sure. So we have to um, be a little bit more flexible around the structuring, but every deal is different. So we, the most important thing we do is to take a very kind of cyclical approach. So we will not lend into sectors that go too high uh, on, the, on the curve. 
So for instance, right now, we find it very difficult to lend into the container market, as an example. But if you go back to two years ago, you know, our largest overall exposure was actually to the container sector. So that's, uh, that's how we try to, uh, to be prudent while at the same time being a little bit more flexible around loan to values and maybe on the amortization and so on. Uh, we, we, we realize that we need to offer something extra in order to earn the, the additional uh, price on our debt. Also, one sector that's coming out of a, a very prolonged trough would be the tanker market. Is that something so that we're very that's having its moment now? Yep, absolutely. We Early on in the life of the fund, so going back six years, we didn't really focus on the tanker market because at that point it was coming off a pretty high level. Uh, that's completely reversed now. Then we did a lot of container business. Now we're doing more tanker business and no container business. So that's how we sort of weave in and out of the sectors depending on where we are in the cycle. And that's something I've always believed in. That's always been my approach, even when I was on the banking side, but it was much more difficult to do that in the banking environment because you have a bank regulator that doesn't really care about the, the fact that you have these hard assets occurring loans. It's more about the cash flow, which then automatically means that you end up doing more business at the peak of the market, which is not the way you should do it, in, at least in my mind. And who is wanting to invest and provide capital for, for for your business? Well, I mean, we, I can't really get into details around that, but just, we, just we have a very, I mean, we are a little bit different than others in that we have sort of created a, a completely dedicated shipping fund, you know, so uh, we have a, we have a broad investor base, mostly US based, and it's very institutional. Uh, so we, we have, you know, we have capital from a large uh, part of the institutional market and a very broad base as well. We also raise capital abroad, but uh, but um, you know from various types of um, investors. But it's very institutional. That's really as far as much as I can say. Well, so far I've had mixed mixed views on how you know the, the importance of shipping and the interest of shipping uh, the, that that um, institutional investors have. I, is it a hard sell? Well, I mean, going back to the early days, absolutely. Um, you know, especially over here, this was something new. Um, you know, you had private equity getting into shipping going back to 12, 13, investing equity, but lending was something really pretty new at that time. And, and a lot of my efforts um, over these six and a half years have gone into educating the market, uh, educating the investors about the online industry. Um, so it's really been just a process of getting, getting the market more acquainted with the industry. And, um, but also we're helped by the fact now that there's a little bit more focus on it. Um, you know, you have the supply chain issues, you, you read more about shipping, maybe not always in a good way, but uh, at least it's more out there at this point. And, um, and they see the, a lot of us see the value of having um, sort of a focused approach in this specific industry, instead of just being a generalist, like a lot of others do. So. It's kind of gone from being a situation where investors would say this is really too narrow to um, the case today, which is more where investors say that this is actually very interesting because it diversifies away from everything else we're doing. Because a lot of these investors see this mid market type, the, uh, type funds, and this is something different. So now it's become more of a diversifier than, than the problematic uh, sort of niche uh, strategy. So, so it's really evolved and changed over these years. And what sort of investment time horizon are, are these investors looking for with, with the capital? No, I mean, we, we our fund has a certain life mm. and, and it's relatively long because we believe mm. that you have to have long-term capital. I'm now going to segue from finance and lending 
to take a more retail perspective and bring John Katsonis in from Breakwater Advisors. He talks about how he established his first exchange-traded fund known as BDRY. If you check the ticker on the New York Stock Exchange, you can see that the dry market volatility of past years and the rise of the home-based retail investor has really worked in its favour. BDRY offers exposure to dry freight markets via forward freight agreements known as FFAs, which are futures used to hedge the forward shipping price. I'll let him explain. The idea of Breakwave was initially to open a market that was very difficult to access to all investors. So we started thinking about that somewhere in 2015 and 16. And at that point, we thought that this is a market that was very interesting. Um, in the previous cycle, did very well. Um, and as we know, shipping is cyclical. So anticipating the next cycle, we thought that how can we open this market to every investor to take advantage of uh, you know the strength and the volatility of, of FFAs, of the freight futures. Um, today, and back then of course as well, it's impossible, virtually impossible, for the everyday investor, including even the institutional investor, to trade FFAs. Why? Because the trade over the counter, so you have to pick up the phone, call the broker, tell him what you're going to do, buy, sell, what you're going to, you know, what you're going to buy at what price. Um, and then the broker has to basically match you with a corresponding seller or buyer. Mm -hmm. Then you have to send it to the clearing exchange, which is not even the regular exchanges that the futures trade. You have to have an account that today in Europe it's almost impossible to open because of regulations. And in the U.S. they don't even care about this account. So it's, it's, it's a whole hassle to get involved in this market. So we said, can we make that simpler, right? How can somebody just click a button and buy exposure to freight futures? Um, so that, that led us to the exchange traded fund, you know, uh, market, which basically what it does, it packages different products and our products is freight futures into a fund and then list that into a, a regular exchange, we're trading at the New York Stock Exchange, and people can buy and sell that as they buy any other stock. As you know, uh, any stock that you know, thousands of stocks are listed there, with the click of the button, you get exposure to freight futures. So that's what we do. What sort of volumes are trading on the, AD, on the ETF? So when we started, it was very slow, obviously, a new product, nobody knew about it. So um, our first um, uh, mission in the first year, year and a half, was to make that, to raise the awareness that we're around, um, as well as educate people about the freight futures market, what it is, you know, um, what are the correlations, how it, you know, relates to other economic indicators and so on. Um, after the, you know, I, I think like the first year and a half was slow, but once the pandemic hit, um, suddenly I think there was a rush of investors to catch a bottom in a lot of investments. Mm. And I think freight was one of the first ones to bottom back in the beginning of uh, the pandemic when China was getting hit by COVID, uh, freight rates collapsed. And I think a lot of investors saw that as a recovery trade. So volumes started to pick up then. And since then, our volumes, um, a lot of days are exceeding the volumes of some of the, you know, of the major shipping companies out there. 
So I think um, right now we're trading on average between five and ten million US dollars a day, mm-hmm. which if you think that uh, the size of the market and how niche shipping is, especially yes. drive-off shipping, it is significant. Um, so you know, I think like it has become um, uh, a go-to product for people who want to uh, you know trade in in uh, drive-off shipping. Uh, I think people are understanding much better now what it is. Um, I think they embrace the volatility. I think it's the most volatile exchange-traded fund out there mm-hmm. of the 3,000 that are listed. And, uh, I mean, you know, again, it can do very well. Like last year was the best-performing fund in the world, unlevered. Um, this year, of course, is down. But, you know, again, it's a very volatile product. So it's not about, um, you know, uh, performance year after year. You trade in this product. So it was very good last year. We'll see what happens this year. Again, calendar calculations are not always precise because when you start and when you finish it matters. But I think um, if you look for a vault of product involved in shipping, uh, B-Dry is the, the product. Let's give the final New York perspective to Michael Weber. Michael Weber from Weber Advisory has covered the public shipping markets through the super cycle of 2008 and its aftermath. Banks funded a bloated shipbuilding order book that resulted in a damaging oversupply of vessels long after the Lehman bubble burst. Private equity stepped in, picking up distressed assets. Michael talks about where capital is going now. You still have lots of shipyards, but the mm-hmm. waves, the successive waves of capital in the space have gotten smaller with each iteration. Mm-hmm. Right? The PE wave was smaller than the super cycle wave. Yeah. Um, the current wave of investment is smaller, so the peaks in the order book are lighter. Um, uh, the average age artificially has kind of come down, or not the average age has come down, the average use of life has come down. You do have, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the reverberations of a bunch of cash rich dry and container owners diversifying mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. tankers of product, mm-hmm. which is a much healthier way for this to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it, it, in that kind of a context, if you take away the you know, huge wave of third party capital and it's just entities within the space, mm-hmm. you know, making money and spending money mm-hmm. the cycle evens out a little bit more um but uh look mayors could list you know like there are big entities in shipping mm-hmm. they just there's mm-hmm. not in the u.s mm-hmm. um and the lines are continuing to get blurred right so like amazon you know same thing that is even trucking right where amazon is now a much larger yes know, force in the freight side mm-hmm. you'll see the same thing with um uh on the container side soon um but uh yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting, I mean, I love, I love the space, obviously, um, but uh, I think people underestimate what that first cycle did, and they underestimate the fact that you can't, there is no trough multiple. So there you have it, the New York view on shipping capital, banking, raising finance, and investor attitudes. Thank you for listening. I'm Michelle Vesey bockman Richard Mead will be back next week with another edition of the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Mm-hmm.